You're listening to the Shamelessly Feminine Podcast, the place for the kick-ass woman who needs a kick in the ass. Your host, Jen Rosenbaum, is giving you the tools to shed shame and live the biggest life possible. So kick off your heels, get comfy, and get ready to be the boss of your life. Hey guys, I am here with my friend, the energetic, spunky, fun, and awesome Renee. Hello, Renee. Hello, hello. <laughs> yeah, rebar, right? It's a weird one to say. Right, the right. Is silent. How do you say it? Rebar. I tried to convince my husband to hear rebar. Renee yeah. Rebar. I know. When I got married, I went from Goldberg to Rosenbaum, and people were like, "Are you changing your name?" I'm like, "It's the same name, basically." Like Goldberg Rosenbaum. It's like. It's like a level, you know, it's not like an up or down grade. Like it's just the same thing. <laughs> so Haribar, I like it. Okay. So. Just forget the H's there. Forget the H's there. So it's Renee Rebar. Yeah. Okay. Got it. All right. Perfect. And I should know that because I've known you for about a year now. And uh, you, we met last year at the Boss Mom Retreat, which was amazing. And I love your energy. And I want you to tell everybody what you do. Yeah. Um, well, for 20 years, I've been teaching people how to sell. So it didn't feel so awkward and weird and strange and pushy. And so at first, I was just in corporate sales. I did telecom industry. So I rode the telecom boom. Opened, then I realized I could break out and kind of do my own thing. And so I opened up my own company back in 1996. I mean, I've been around for a while. I'm like you know, mid forties now, knocking on 50. And, um, I realized that I could do it anywhere. And that's when I came into the online space. So for years and years and years, I've just been helping big companies, big and small with their sales forces or individual solopreneurs get the point across to their clients. So that doesn't feel awkward because sales can be awkward. Sales is awkward. Nah. And so in the photography industry, because that's the only point of reference I really have, right? Is that um, I always tell people, if you deliver a good product, you'll never have to sell a day in your life because people will actually want it. <laughs> and you never, you know, so it's, can you talk about that? Is that a thing? Did I make that up or is that a real thing? Well, that's totally a real thing. Um, the people that I talk to, oftentimes they don't have that either tangible product. They're selling an idea. They're, sell- they're selling consulting or they're selling strategy or... Um, you know, they don't have it. It's not a tangible, like, like a great photo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do you, how do you deal with that as a hurdle? Like, how do you, you know, this is something I even think about like, um, with shamelessly feminine, right? Like I'm, there's a thing there. And so, all right. So we're going to have like a little like consultation now, right? There's a thing there. I don't, I don't know exactly what it is just yet, but, uh, there's a thing, but I know that it's not tangible, you know? Yeah. There'll be a book and there'll be, you know, t-shirt and all sorts of cute things, but like the concept of it isn't a tangible concept. How do you, what is, how do you get over that hurdle of having people buy a non-tangible product? Yeah. Well, I think it starts with expected results, right? So when I speak to someone or when I'm coaching someone to speak to their potential clients, I want them to think about, you know, why did you create this service? Because you've seen people succeed using it, right? Well, what have they succeeded in? What have they accomplished? What have, how have they felt differently? You know, so before this photo session, they might have felt devalued or ugly or too fat, too tall, too skinny, too thin, too whatever they are, too bow-legged. And then after the session, they feel beautiful and wanted and needed and whole and loving. And, you know, and so it's, sometimes it's just that feeling that they have. So how do they feel before the service and how do they feel after? So those are the expected results. Right. That's what we call in in a way, is that what we call sort of like hitting them where it hurts, like finding the pain point? 
Yeah. And again, like I, I don't ever, like, when I look at a, a potential client, I'm not looking for their open wounds. I'm simply looking to connect with them. And so uh, in terms of finding their pain points, I, but I ask them questions. I always say, you know, a good salesperson has a good pitch. Hey, here's what I do. Here's what you can expect. That's where I start. But like the real great salespeople, whether it's for their own business and their own services or for others, what they really are great at is asking great questions, which allows the potential buyer to share what's important to them. Okay. So you and I are very similar. We have the gift of gab, right? We're not super shy. Although I am a little bit of an introvert. That's kind of a secret. Not many people know that, but I am a little bit of an introvert, but I'm like an extroverted introvert. Um, Mm -hmm. I know the questions to ask. Like when I speak to my clients, I know the questions to ask, but how, how do people know that? How do you, how do you teach that? Can you teach that? Yes, (laughs) and so the way I teach it is by when I work with my clients, whether it's in a group environment or whether it's one-on-one, the exercises that I have them go through are to to walk through what are the typical questions to ask and then drill down in their own industry. Mm. Like when when you ask a question of someone, what answer do they have to give you to let you know that they're a good qualified candidate, that they actually have the problem that you so uniquely know how to handle. And so once you know what answer you need to hear, then you can start to formulate the question to draw out that answer. You can say, are you hungry? Or you can say, if you actually know you have sandwiches, you can be like, well, I've got, <laughs> I've got turkey or I've got tuna. So as opposed to saying, are you hungry? So this would be the broader question. What you really have is you want to serve up your sandwiches that you have. And so you want to say, we have these delicious sandwiches. Are you looking for turkey or tuna? So you you can drill down with the specifics based on knowing what you actually have to offer. By the way, I think you just changed my life as a parent. Because I do like that. Are you guys hungry all the time? And they're always like, what do we have? And I'm like, seriously? What do you mean we have? We have the same thing we buy every week. (laughs) What do you mean? And then it becomes... Right, it becomes a huge fight. Now I'm going to be like, I have vegetables or I have fruit. <laughs> which would you like? Right. That's a lot. Exactly. Or like, I have like pizza bites or mozzarella sticks. Which one do you want? <laughs> um, all right. No, that's seriously though. No, that's so. It is really smart, and it's it's. Um, so I do this activity sometimes when I teach workshops about like wardrobe, for example, and people will be like, how do you know what your client's style is? And I'm like, well, I just ask her like, you know, if we are going out to lunch tomorrow and I tell you to go buy a new outfit, where are you going to go? And if she's like, well, I'm going to go to anthropology and free people, I know what her aesthetic is, right? I know her style. I know that she's like bohemian chic and she's lacy and feminine. And if she says to me, oh, I'm going to go to Zara and Express, I know she's into more modern fashion and cleaner lines and maybe not as many patterns. And like, I just know that, you know? So it's like, it's not just the answers that they give you, but it's what do you do with the answers? And that's what you're, to your point, what you're talking about. Yes, which I'm getting a nod. Yes. Okay. So (laughs) yeah. So yeah, no, that's great because I think that, um, you know, we listen, this is, this is something I say with photographers. We, we look, but we don't see. And oftentimes we listen and we don't hear, and we have to really know what we're hearing for and knowing how the communication can be presented to get the sale. So I love that. Okay. So you talk about the trifecta to getting consistent sales without spending money on ads or a fancy website, even if you hate Facebook. This is very intriguing to me and I want to hear more about this. Yeah. The trifecta is email, social media, and the phone call. And so, you know, without spending ads, ultimately when I work with so many businesses, 
whether it's consultants or even you know SaaS companies <laughs> or the other corporations, they don't need thousands of customers tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not an e-commerce store that I that I represent, right? So like when I work with someone, they often t- times need ten to twenty new clients a month, and that would max them out in terms of what they can currently handle. And so how do you find those people? Well, they're probably already around you. So the trifecta is, you know, people yeah, owning an email list and having people open up emails is fantastic. There's a limited number of people that do that, but there are certain people that are only going to answer emails and they'll never be on social media. So then you also want to have that social media presence to remind people of what you do, like what it is and why it's so cool and, and give them, give them ideas of what other people have done when they've worked with you. And, and there's that, that presence as well. But the real key is, especially if you're going to be selling services over the, you know, for thousands of dollars, you really do need to perfect that sales phone call. It doesn't have to be a long phone call. In fact, it can be as short as 20 or 30 minutes or less if you have the right questions. And what it does is it allows you to bring them in by, by putting yourself where they are. So mm-hmm. is it email? Is it social? And of course, to get that phone call means just to simply ask oftentimes like, you know what, I, based on what I've seen you do, I really like, I, I would really like to talk to you more about what your needs are. Let's hop on a quick phone call. I have time between appointments tomorrow at 2.15 or Thursday at 4.45. Do either of those times work for you for a quick phone call? So mm-hmm. not a Zoom call, not a video call, just a quick phone call. Is it allows you to cut through the BS really quick and find out what they need and if you can help them. And if you can, make them an offer or book another call where you can make a fuller, more complete offer. So talking on the phone is something I find so many people are afraid of and just hate doing. Do you have any advice about that? Yes, absolutely. Um, The phone, first of all, like the connections that we make virtually are good, but they're they're good because they can give us a lot of people to talk to. But what truly solidifies the relationship is the feeling that they know you, the connection of you as another person who can help them actually get that result that they probably tried to get before and didn't, that they've heard other people say they they could give them but wouldn't. And so how do you separate yourself by actually getting on the phone for even a few minutes mm-hmm. and just having that connection of voice? I mean, you're the podcaster, so you know how effective voice is. Just voice. You mm-hmm. don't even need the video. Right. And to, to be able to get on that phone call. So what advice could I have is simply to get on the phone and say, hi, how are you? So tell me about what you're looking to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Tell me about what you've come up against. What have you tried? What has worked? What hasn't worked? And then it gives you the chance just to have that connection. Like there's, you know, science will show us there are so many neurological things that are happening when someone is on the phone with you Mm -hmm. that we can't even describe, but they're deciding right then and there if they can trust you by just the tone of your voice and how you interact with them. Yeah, it's so true. And you know, it humanizes you and it's like, and you know, and for me, like I find if I talk to potential clients on the phone, I know right away if we're going to be a match or not. You know, like, because I want to know that too. Like, I think that we're always so worried about, are people going to hire me? I'm kind of worried. Do I even want to hire? Do I even want to be hired? You know, like, do I want to work with you? I don't even know if I like you yet. <laughs> you know, it's not yes. always about the, do I want them to hire me? It's about me, like, kind of scoping out and going, are they a good match for me? Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that that phone call is important. And I've actually started talking about, and I'm curious what your uh, opinion is on this, going back to some print work as far as not um, advertisements per se, but things like in the photography industry, we'll often use things like gift certificates to get people in the door, things like that. Because I think that that, that human connection 
is, is missing now. Like we do a ton of emails. I do it too. Ton of emails, tons of sales pages and websites and all of that. How nice would it be to like hand somebody a gift certificate, like a printed, tangible, something valuable gift certificate and say, I'd like to, you know, give this to you for a session with me and, you know, to reach people sort of in that path of least resistance. Like if everybody's doing online ads to kind of go the other way and do something different and and you stand out like that, any thoughts on that? Yeah, a hundred percent. Always look to be different. We can't uh, we always be our competition, but we one hundred percent can be different than them. And so to tune into, and this is so smart. Of course, you're such a smart businesswoman. To tune into what is the the mode of communication of the day, and then look to not not only optimize it, but to also do something different than it. Yeah, to hand that tangible. How many of us get that? downloadable link for your free coffee at Starbucks or like, well, then I got to download it. Then I got to go. Then I got to just give me the card. Give me the actual, a handwritten note. So different. It It stands out. So, and it's so effective nowadays. It's almost like, wow, you know, it's really, it's something special. It's not a bill. It's not a bill or a, It's not a bill. It's so easy to do. Right. It's not a... Yeah. That's and you know, so you yeah. talk about, you talk about, uh, there's fortune and the follow-up and how do you recommend doing it without being annoying or salesy? Um, and I, I also think, so we'll talk about that for a second, but I also think like things like handwritten thank you notes or like a hand, cause you, you know, just to tie it into like the follow-up, like a handwritten, uh, I had a great time talking to you. You know, if you need anything, I'm here. Something like that. Like people love getting real mail. Yes. Real mail. Exactly. Yeah. No, I remember, and maybe you do too. Back when I first graduated from college, my professors were advising me that before I went in for an interview somewhere to find out the address and name of the person who was interviewing me and to write a thank you card before I even went in for the interview so that they would receive it in the mail that day. Mm. And I did that and I ended up getting you know offers. And mm-hmm. it, every single one of them said, thank you so much. It really made you stand out mm-hmm. from the other applicants, the way that you treated me and the way that you respected my time and the way that, you know, you thanked me after. And mm-hmm. this is back in the nineties. So, I mean, <laughs> this is when yeah. email open, right? Like 90%. So even then <laughs> it was something special not to be discounted 100%. Yeah. You know, I recently threw my daughter about mitzvah and, uh, I got a thank you in the mail like two days later. My daughter still hasn't written her thank yous, but I got a thank you in the mail like two days later that was from somebody that just said, thank you for including us in the party. It was really beautiful. And we were just so happy to be a part of it with you. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> it just kind of blew my mind. I'm like, I'm supposed to be thanking you for coming and for giving a gift and for participating. They were just so honored to be a part of something that was, you know, what they considered special. I just thought it was so, you know, we've lost that art a little bit of the, the thank you and the thank you note. So I'm, I was, I just want to kind of share that. But I want to go back to the um, the fortune and the follow up. So how do you recommend doing it without being annoy, annoying or salesy? Yeah, well, so I think before you, the, the the key, and this almost was alluded to in, in the in the answer of the thank you notes is before you even meet with the person the first time, expect that you will follow up. Mm -hmm. So plan for the follow-up in advance. In other words, never take any meeting of anyone as a one-off. And I I know this happens often. Well, we met and I'll leave it up to them. The thing is, is that the person that you're selling to may never have bought this thing that you sell ever. 
So you may be the first person that they've ever met that might shepherd them through this experience, especially with you in the world of photography. Mm -hmm. The woman who, or people that come to you may never have have purchased this before. Mm -hmm. And they may never again, maybe if they do, maybe once or twice ever in their life. And so you really truly need to shepherd them through it. So you know that there's going to be more than one point of contact. Mm. So before you even have that first initial meeting, whether it's at a networking event or on the phone or an email or anywhere else, plan for the follow-up. So that's how it becomes not annoying because then when you do have an initial connection, you can allude to the fact that you will be connecting with them again. Great. You know what? Before we even end this call, this is one of my favorite ways is if I am on the phone with someone, like say, say they've come in, like they've seen an ad, they ne- then have a, you know, hit an application form. They've connected to my, my scheduler and they now have a call with me. Right. Mm-hmm. So now I'm on the phone with them. And before this call is up, I know that I want to talk to them again. And so I say, listen, before this call is up, let's book another call before we hang up. Because I know that once we hang up this phone, we're only going to get more busy. Mm. This way, when the phone hangs up, you are always going to have more questions. And if not, they're going to have questions because they're new at this. You may not be, but they are for sure. Mm. And so it allows that, that calendar to be like that book, that appointment's already on the books. So no matter what comes up, you know that there's going to be that next connection point. So if you do send them the proposal and, you know, or the offer and they don't buy or they do buy, whatever happens, either way, whether they buy or don't, you still do want to talk to them again, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, definitely. If, if, it's someone, if it's someone you want to work with. <laughs> if they're a crazy person, then no. Then don't right. Do <laughs> right. And you know, I've divorced clients before, even that have given deposits that I'm just like, you know what? This is just not working. This is not going to be good. And I, you know, I have a reputation also and, and I can't... Um, you know, part of my reputation is, okay, I can work with anybody and, you know, make them look good. And that is true. But the thing is you also need to set yourself up for success. And, you know, I, I don't want to roll out of bed and dread it. You know, like, I don't want to go, Oh, this woman is so hard to work with. And I don't want to be around her. And this is negative energy and we're not connecting. And, you know, you just don't put your, your true self in when, when you're not connecting with your clients. I think it's so important to communicate that. Yeah. A hundred percent. And that's what that's again, like knowing that you, that if this is someone that you do want to work with, you will want to speak to them again. So you plan for that follow-up in advance yeah. and you know that you, you let them know that too. Like, listen, I'm not, it's just not, I'm not a, you know, hit it and quit it kind of girl. Right. 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 <laughs> I'm going to help you. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> so Thanks. I know that one of your, your goals is really to help women become independent and that, you know, if you teach them a skill, you're going to give them a platform you know, to grow. Yeah. Uh, tell me why this is important to you. This is something you mentioned on your profile. And I'm just, I'm just so curious about this. Yeah. Um, well, I just got chills because it, it, it goes deep. Um, I'm, I felt, I don't think I'm alone in the fact that there have been very important women in my life, you know, my mother, my aunts that through my early years, you know, the, the form, you know, the, the years that you were forming, like, you know, 10 years old, 15 years old, that, you may have seen them or the listeners have seen them struggle in in the point where maybe they were a stay-at-home wife and they were locked into a relationship that maybe wasn't conducive to their mental or physical health, Mm -hmm. you know? So to call a dog by its name is, you know, maybe they were an abusive relationship. Maybe the husband was an alcoholic and would beat them. Maybe the husband was just cheating on them all the time. Maybe the husband was gambling, whatever it was, but they had no way out. Mm. And that is the day that I, I, I mean, and I think that there are a lot of women who experience that either personally or know of a family member or friend that has had that happen. Mm -hmm. And so 
before the age of the internet, we were absolutely um, restricted by our ge- by our geography. Mm-hmm. Well, now with the age of the internet, we truly have a global economy from you know our kitchen, <laughs> mm-hmm. if we so choose, right. and the guest room, and so we can take our skill sets or learn new skill sets, learn photography, learn technical skills, learn digital marketing, learn a skill set, and then offer that skill set on a consultative or a done-for-you service provider environment to other people Mm -hmm. around the world Mm -hmm. for a fee. And that money that we're able to earn, we're able to create our own business and we're able to have that financial freedom. But these, these jumps that I've just made for someone, they have to learn a new skill or use one that they already have. They have to package it up and then offer it to the world. That's where I come in. Packaging it up and offering it to the world is super scary. Even, pack it, even if they already packaged up, offering it to the world means a lot of things you know, emotionally. Like I have to get over myself. I have to be willing to put myself out there. I have to be willing to take rejection. I have to be willing to have a conversation with someone about something that I may never have had before. Mm-hmm. And uh, shepherding them through that is what I enjoy the most because at the end of the day, what that does is it teaches them that no matter what their life situation is, there is always there are always options. If yeah, you, and I, I think it's so funny because I you know I deal with this all the time talking to women entrepreneurs in the photography industry, and they're always like, "Well, I don't like to do Facebook lives. I don't know what to say, and I'm afraid to say um too much, or you know, I don't I don't wear makeup, and I don't want people to see me, or I gained weight, or whatever." And there has to be a point in your life where the fear of not being able to take care of yourself is bigger than the fear of saying, um, on a Facebook live, right? Like, and, and the thing right. is, I think even if, and this is something I've really debated a lot about how to handle with my daughter also, because, you know, I grew up in a home where my mom was home with me until I was about seven. And then she um, was put in a position where she had to start a business with my father because there was a family falling out and uh, it affected their work situation. And I saw my mom try to balance it all through my entire life and how hard that is. And, you know, so of course I put myself in the same position and, um, but you know, I was a stay at home mom for a number of years also. And there is, there is sort of that, that pull both ways, you know? And I think for me, I do feel very lucky that I do kind of have the best of both worlds. I am home with my kids when they're home now, they're a little older, so they're in school, but I'm also working and building my own um, independence, even in a marriage where you feel safe and secure, mm-hmm. I've just kind of learned, you never know, you know, <laughs> you just never know. And, um, I mean, I think cancer kind of taught me that like every day is a new day. You just don't know. And, um, so I, I appreciate you bringing that up and I just sort of want to put it out there to all the women that are struggling with that, you know, where do I need to be? It is not an easy decision. Yeah, no, exactly. Even if, even in a very safe and secure relationship, yeah, other things happen, right? There's family falling, you know, there's, fa- right, the family falls out or someone has an illness or it has, you know, passes a death in the family. Like there's always something that, mm-hmm. you know, we want to be able to have options again. That's the thing. We never want to be stuck. And so that's what I saw so many of the women in my life coming up against. And that's one of my passions is to just give women the chance to know that there's always a way, there's always another way. So how does a woman, do you have any advice? And this might not be your area of expertise, but if a woman is listening to this and she says, yeah, you know, I want to do this. I want to get into the online space. I want to create something. I mean, how do they even go about doing that? And I mean, this is the thing I did it in photography, right? Like I, I did build something from nothing. I didn't even know that I had the skill until I cultivated it, I guess. Like how does a woman know what she can do? 
Yeah, that's a fantastic question. There's thousands of options. And so I actually created a free online community called Entrepreneurial Connections Movement. So it's where thousands of people can come and congregate and talk about what they're doing, different business models, different service agreements, different service arrangements, how they conduct business. And it's a chance for them to commune and consult in a free environment. And I go in and facilitate. And of course I come in with my enthusiasm and (laughs) my craziness, but I look at it like just, it's like my house party. It's my big fat online house party where people can come and go like open house, (laughs) Mm. come and go. And you know, they get snacks and we have high fives (laughs) and it it creates an environment to communicate, to connect. And truly from there, so much has happened. I get reports from people in my community all the time saying, oh, I met so-and-so and and she became my business coach. And then I was able to start my online business or I met so-and-so and and she was able to do my Facebook ads for me. And now I'm able to finally get more business. Uh, So it's really been uh, encouraging for me to continue on with that free platform. Yeah. And this, what's so cool about it is that it's like women supporting other women businesses. So it's sort of like, even if people just support each other in the group, they could make a living that way. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it, exactly. Like we said, we met at the boss, Mo- boss mom or teach. Yeah. So similar. Like that, the boss moms community was one of the first online communities that I looked in and I was like, wow, people are really, it's just real. People are really doing business online. Yeah. <laughs> this is amazing. Yeah. I find it fascinating what people do online. Like, I mean, you know, if you really think about it, you can turn anything into a business, right? Like I like to cook or, you know, I, I interviewed another woman recently who was like into paleo and she was into her instant pod and she kept hearing that people were having trouble figuring out how to use her instant pot. So she made an instant pot cook, you know, paleo cookbook and, and sold it online. Or, you know, I have a friend who also I'll be interviewing who is a pediatrician and then um, left her practice and has created uh, Raiseology, which is, um, you know, parenting coaching online. I mean, who doesn't yeah. need a parenting coach? I need a parenting coach. I'm, I don't know what I'm doing with my children, my poor things. They're totally screwed up, but you know, it's, <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm half joking, but you know, it's, it's amazing the things that you can do. Um, you know, the, I'm obsessed with fashion bloggers. In fact, um, I sort of just started a little fashion thing because I'm not, because I'm not a fashionista <laughs> at all, at all. Um, but you know, one of the things that I, that I, um, in this fashion idea that I have about creating this little um, business around this fashion idea that I have is so interesting. Cause I remember growing up, I used to, this is before the internet, obviously for all of you young people out there, I'm old. Uh, this is before the internet. And I used to take catalogs like the Spiegel catalog. Do you remember, do you remember the Spiegel catalog? Yes, the Spiegel catalog. I oh loved the Spiegel catalog. Right. Yes. It was like my favorite day of the, I think it came out like quarterly or whatever. And I would be like, big and fat. Yes. yes. Oh my God. Shoulder pads. Yes. You got to include a link because it's so, it's special. Yeah. So I used to take the Spiegel catalog and I used to cut it up and make my own catalog of the best looks of the catalog. And I would, I made up my own store and I would make my own catalogs. And I think like I was the first Instagram influencer and I just didn't know it back then. Right. Like (laughs) that's what they're doing now. So when I think about this like idea about this fashion idea and I try to talk myself out of it because I'm like, whatever, you already have a job and what are you doing? And it's so silly. I really started thinking about it and I'm like, wait, I think sort of, I have been doing this my whole life and just didn't realize it. So maybe I should do it. So I think that a lot of women, like if you're in a position where you go, well, I don't even really know what I love anymore because I'm so busy taking care of everybody else. Think backwards. Like what did you, what did you used to love? What brought you enjoyment? I love those catalogs, man. I used to set my, my room up like a store. My brother would come in and go shopping. <laughs> <laughs> 
I love it. Exactly. 100%. And I wanted to be a fashion designer. I studied fashion, but I mean, I have no fashion sense at all, Renee. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, it's so weird. <laughs> I can trust other people all day long, but I can't trust myself. But that's did you go to I'm... FIT? Come on. That I was didn't. the thing. You know what? I didn't. You know what's funny? Um, I remember my parents saying to me really that like, if you're going to go to art school, you really got to dedicate yourself to this. Like you have to be like number one or else you're not going to make a living. And I was like, oh, well, I'm an entrepreneur. I like money. Right. So (laughs) I think I won't go to FIT. And then I studied psychology and I studied art to become an art therapist, which I didn't do either. And isn't it so funny now that like what I am is really an art therapist with my camera and now I'm starting this fashion thing. And so that's the thing. Like, I think we look at school and go, well, I didn't study that in school. And really, who cares? Exactly. No, I didn't study photography either, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because what does the client care about? The client just cares about how, they, how you make them feel and the results that you can help them attain. That's right. Which I, which I think also probably speaks to the point of confidence when you're selling and that, you know, like I just wrote this book that's going to be coming out in the early part of the year. And I'm like, well, I'm not a PhD and I'm no Brene Brown. And who am I to write this book? But the truth of the matter is like, I live these experiences and I've learned these lessons. And so I do have a right to say what I want to say. And you know, that imposter syndrome sneaks in for all of us. And just to be able to put that aside and go after what you want, and then you won't be selling because you'll be loving what you do. Exactly. Exactly. Because you know what? There are people out in the world right now that no matter, they can't hear it from Brene Brown. They can't hear it from all the other gurus and experts. They need Jen Rosenbaum's words from your brain and heart. That's how they're going to get that message. And that is why you need to put it on paper and send it out into the world. That's, wow. And it's so true. Isn't yeah. there things like, let me ask you this. Aren't there things you've like been telling your husband for years and then he goes to like some networking event or some golf outing and he hears it from some guy and he's like, honey, you'll never guess this thing happened. You're like, literally, really? I've literally (laughs) been telling you that for 10 years. (laughs) He's like, no, 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 but it's really cool. You're like, no, I've said the same words, but he can't hear it from you. He had to hear it from this random person at the golf outing. (laughs) <laughs> right. Now, this is why we go to a therapist. I'll probably kill me for saying this because I always say, well, you need the therapist to translate for you. Because <laughs> somehow she says things and he's like, oh, I get it. And I'm like, wait, what? I say the same thing all the time. <laughs> why are you not listening to me? Yeah. Life right. translators, life translators. Yeah. So well, I, you're someone's therapist. So by writing those words and having this podcast and having those books, that's people need that. There are people that just need your take on it. Thank that's you. That's the only way to do that. Thank you. I mean, I certainly didn't mean to make this about me at all. I guess my point is just that I also deal with those things of, well, there's a thousand fashion bloggers and there's a million Brene Browns and there's a, you know, like there's a million photographers. Why do I count? And I guess really, um, you know, that this conversation really just struck that chord for me because the truth is you do. And everybody has a different, um, methodology and a different personality and different connections. And you just got to bring that forward, whatever that is and, and put everybody else out of your mind. 100%. I mean, I have an Instapot that sits in my cabinet too. And so maybe that person, you know, that you know, is the one that I need to hear it from because I've definitely watched my share of YouTube videos and how to use that dang thing, but I still can't freaking get my head around it. So I just need the right person to tell me apparently. (laughs) And maybe it's her. Yeah. I mean, you could build a whole Instant Pot business, I think, if you get people (laughs) comfortable with their Instant Pot because she sent me the cookbook and I still haven't tried it. But I'm going to, the thing is I'm going to, like, I really am. I'm going to make a cognitive effort to be like, I'm going to try my Instant Pot, not only for the Instant Pot, um, but to support her because I think what she's doing is amazing. And 
so cool. And I want to see if actually it works. I think it will. I mean, she took beautiful photos. It's great. Anyway, you'll have to listen for her on the podcast. She's coming up soon. She's... I will. I'll link you to her. Uh, awesome. <laughs> so Renee, tell me where people can find you. This conversation was so great, not only on a business level, but just on a personal level to know what people need to do to sort of be the unseller. I love that you know, kind of theory that you really don't need to sell if you're doing it right. So uh, where can people find you? Yeah, the best way is on my website. That's the the hub of everything, all my live streams, podcasts, and everything else that I'm doing. Um, and that's just uh, renearebar.com. So R-E-N-E-E-H-R-I-B-A-R.com. The secret H in there. Yeah, so I will link that also on the show notes so nobody will have to be, everyone yeah. will figure out the H. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy I got to see you again. So, so nice to see you. Did I just say thank you for having me? Thank you for being here with me. How about that? I say that all the time. By the way, I've said that multiple times at the end of my podcast. Mortifying. You can leave that in, by the way, because that's so embarrassing and hysterical. Thank you for being here with me. Thank you. (laughs) Enough about me. Okay, goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Shamelessly Feminine Podcast. If you loved what you heard, be sure to leave a rating and review on iTunes so that more women can learn to live a badass life. To learn more about this movement, go to shamelesslyfeminine.com and join our Shamelessly Feminine Facebook group. Until next time, go out there and be the boss of your life.